Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Gaming the System, the podcast where three intersectional feminists examine gaming through a feminist lens. Today, Alex, Matt, and Jem, we are going to be talking about, uh, what did I call it? Chosen Ones. And uh, the pun, the probably the best pun I think I've ever come up with, is the born supremacy, people who are born supreme and superior to other people. Uh, before we start, a quick reminder that we now have a Patreon page. So if you want to support us, you can go there on patreon.com slash gaming the system. And we've got a couple of options there and you'll get access to our monthly special episodes. So very exciting. Um, so what we're talking about is uh, how you are assigned worth the second you are born. So the first thing they do is they lift you up and go, right, penis, this one goes in this X value, vagina goes in that value, and anything in between, they are going to be just discriminated against for their entire life, denied that they exist. And so instantly that's as soon as happened. White babies are assigned as superior than black or brown babies so much is placed on people as soon as they're born so to start off with bringing it to games how often have you guys noticed that the chosen one happens to be chosen one because of the circumstances of their birth I had a different thought in my head when you uh, came up with the topic, actually. It was more to do with, like, special powers or abilities rather than, like, something relating to their birth or the circumstances of their birth. But I will have a think. I think it's the the same thing. It's the same thing, really. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the obvious one that came straight into my head was um, Skyrim because you are uh, dragonborn. And you, you have the ability to, to shout, <laughs> which sounds really uh, funny out of context. But, uh, yeah, and having that power and it being unbeknownst to you until everyone suddenly realises and they're like, oh, you're dragonborn. <laughs> and then uh, you get all this all this special um, permissions and all this special treatment wherever you go. And people have these assumptions about you. Um, but interestingly, of course, being a being a Skyrim game, you can make your character look however you want them to look within the various defined races and things. Um, so yeah, you, yeah, that was interesting to think about in that way. Um, I've lost my thread. I'm sorry, <laughs> but uh, yeah, because because like. There are definitely some more noble options within those races um, and some less noble options. So you can kind of make it out to be the story that you want to tell in some ways. But uh, yeah, I'm, tr- I'm struggling to think of other examples. My brain's a little <laughs> slow today. But uh, no, it's interesting when you mention about how different characteristics are dismissed as being inferior at birth. And then I think um, disability is, has a, a lot to to kind of talk about there in terms of 
the history of disability and how when you're born disabled that's an immediate it's imme- it can be immediately obvious and immediately throws all this like all these assumptions and ideas about mm. what your life is going to amount to mm. um by the people around you and society in general um and in certain ways if we think about a disability very often you're any character with any physical or mental defect is either vilified or just not understood by a lot of the people around them uh which i know is completely going <laughs> off topic but uh it's interesting to think about how different characteristics can set you on one path versus another definitely yeah especially yeah. like physical i had i had I, I thought about that halfway through our last episode but yeah the, they're always in good shape always yeah. no disabilities again and, uh, certainly in in the history of our royal family you can argue that a lot that sometimes any defect of that kind has been hushed up or hidden mm. away uh, which is another problematic thing about nobility can't be seen to be defective mm. and there's a lot of pressure I think on on nobility to be a certain way and to show themselves as being this idealized um superior form of people if that makes sense i think um when i was i had the same the same kind of reaction as as you alex to the topic and i think that so for me the the person that sort of sprung to mind was alloy from um horizon yeah um zero dawn and um forbidden west and and i because you know she's she's clearly a chosen one um who comes from very um or appears to come from very um kind of humble beginnings and difficult a difficult childhood and you know challenges and things so so i think for me the chosen one is usually somebody who doesn't have the access to all of the the um privileges that you would see with say somebody from royalty or from nobility but who still has you know some some amazing thing that's going to help save the world what i think is interesting is that what usually ends up happening is that when they realize that they are the chosen one then then it becomes clear that they are in fact a member of the nobility or yeah. they were in fact a you know a member of the royal family and or or something like that so you find mm. that out down the line that even though they were brought up in 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 humble surroundings they are actually you know when it comes down to it proper from proper blood from pro- good stock you know and i think that is quite problematic and i i think the point you have just made about disability, Alex, is mm. so important. It's one of the reasons why I think it's so good that we discuss these issues on on this podcast because it's not something that I had considered in that way. Um, and, you know, I think it's so good to think about these things and to recognise that, that it's not just about 
the chosen one it's also about the discarded ones you know like who are we who are we saying isn't allowed to join this special club you know and 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 how are we making how do we make choices about who who can't save the world you know and i think even if that's not explicitly stated because it isn't in games they're just you know it's just absent people with disabilities are just absent from games you know even in that scenario it's it's explicit in its absence it's you know it's a it's a it's a comment made on society just by simply excluding certain people from this these roles so i think that's really important to I was, I was watching back an episode of ours recently and jim you mentioned I don't know whether it was an article or a book called The Symbolic Annihilation of Women. Yeah, it's a, a theory. <laughs> such a it's such a profound um awareness mm. of of this phenomenon in that by always the the absence, what you exclude, what you do not choose, who are not mm. chosen. Um, how that impacts the perception of disabled people uh, in the real world and that it's always something to be pitied not and it's it's it go oh I pity that person because they think they're not going to have as good as access to be able to thrive but that's not because of the disability, it's because of the society that excludes them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to um, something you said then, just Gem, about I've got two two things. Um, I'm going to give Christopher Nolan credit for something. Really, <laughs> I'm amazed myself. Yeah, um, and it comes to the reason why. Almost everyone, every protagonist, and every person who is centered in gun is a thirty-something uh, um, straight white man from middle to upper class. Just because those are the people who have always had access to the resources that allowed them to get into the room to be making those things. Mm. Because someone who has been brought up in poverty they're not going to have the resources to that people who born into middle class or middle to upper class have to go, oh, yes, I've got the time and the resources to spend building up to do something I want. Now, have either of you seen the new Avatar film? Yes. Yeah. What did you think of it? I didn't enjoy it. Yeah, I left halfway <laughs> I through. thought it was crap. But I've I was, heard I was such just, bad things yeah. about it. <laughs> I was just very disappointed. I think I was expecting more after over 10 years. I could go on. I could have a whole episode about it if you like. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, d- I was very disappointed. Yes, we could do an episode on it because it's essentially a game because of how. Yeah, it's all just yeah. CGI now. The so partially because technology in general has improved so much over the last. It's been fifteen years since the first mm. one. Yeah, we're used to 
incredible visuals. Whereas in 2008, I watched that film so many times because mm. it was the most jaw-dropping yeah. thing I'd ever seen. Yeah, yeah, I loved the first one. I don't know if it was because I was so young back then. I feel felt younger then. Um, but yeah, I, I couldn't fault the first one. I mean, obviously now, looking back, I'm like, oh, actually, it's got some slightly not good storyline aspects and different things going on with it. But yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you, Matt. No, no, that's it. That's that's the point in the not only that the technology is, you go, ah, so I'm not too bothered about that now. But the biggest thing I notice is that society in America and the UK and hopefully growing, like the, the higher level of what is accepted in society and what is unacceptable has evolved. So obviously... It's him going, right, we're going to take Native Americans and tribal culture, make them blue and mm. steal their culture. Yeah. Um, and so that that's the basis of it. And 15 years ago, because society in general hadn't evolved to going, oh, yeah, we can't have that. That's, that's, that's mad. You can't have that. So now go straight in thing the visuals aren't too much to be bothered by no i thought uh, they were actually worse in some parts but yeah yeah it's uh, yeah it's it just makes you go leaves you flat and it was so long mm. <laughs> it was over three hours long oh <gasps> wow it was, it was yeah it was so long it was too long it was basically the same plot but with more water <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that's the summary i would give you and the, the acting was absolutely was fucking abominable. I um, just, yeah, it made me angry that they used exactly the same dialogue for exactly the same characters at certain points. I was wow. just like, it just made me angry. <laughs> it's like, the, you've had how many years to write it? I don't know. It's oh. the, the tribal culture that they are copying. Yeah. It's just fucking embarrassing yeah and they have the fact that they had the water people uh pacific islander they got pacific island tattoos they went for that one yeah and they don't use contractions they think what makes tribal speak is when you say you don't say don't you say we do not want this you do not do that you cannot do that and bringing it to my point about who's in the room making things. David Cameron is a straight white, middle-aged, middle to upper class man. And he's been you mean that James for Cameron. Sorry. Oh. What did I say? David. David, yes. Oh, he's even worse. Yeah. He's <laughs> even, he works in a fucking food bank. He was a prime minister and now he works in a food bank. That's fucking mental. So yeah, fuck him. James Cameron. He's been that his entire life. And Comparing, I have a lot, massive, just a lot of shit talk. I've talked about Christopher Nolan for only making white man films, so entirely himself. So him and David Cameron are basically the same person, but at least Christopher Nolan only makes films about him and people like him, whereas David Cameron goes. I'm so brilliant. I'm going to use, I'm going to make films about tribal culture 
Oh, I'm going to be amazing <laughs> doing it. David Cameron, James Cameron. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Cameron, the director. Yes, the director of Avatar. Yeah. That's the point that <laughs> I'm trying to make is that it's okay. It's better to not pillage other people's culture and cheapen other people's culture. But well, especially yeah. to do it, especially yeah. to do it with you know extremely tropily and yeah. you know um, just sort of taking a very stereotypical and and debunked idea of, yeah. of cultures, you know. And I think it's it that's what makes it even worse. It's it's just an old concept yeah. that's just being rolled back out again. And it, uh, yeah, it's it's criminal, really. To quote my English teacher from secondary school, you should only write about what you know. Mm. And clearly, he's not writing about what he knows. He's just <laughs> writing about his assumptions of what he knows or his his ideas of what people think Native American cultures are like. But I not. mean, the sad thing is that there's there's so much much inspiration out there. Yeah. there you know, just create a whole new... I mean... You know, talking about people being um, excluded um, from society and now I've just, you know, we've got lots and lots of like female science fiction writers um, who are often dismissed and ignored in, in history and, you know, they come up with way better concepts than this. Yeah, that's when it comes to... People is go yeah. Write about what you know, and if you want to make better stuff, expand your knowledge, and but respecting that you don't own everything. Some things are not yours. You can you can learn about them and and grow as a result of that. Um, Christopher Nolan doesn't do that, but he does make the most stunning technical and visual stuff mm. that is his stuff is only gotten better and better um whereas james cameron is i said james that time james cameron <laughs> writes about what he thinks he knows um and then when it comes to games and other creative things the problem is you only have those middle-aged straight white men writing about what they know mm. Whereas the point is to get other people, the diversity, the the insanely deep breadth of knowledge and nuance that comes with Maori culture, Native American culture. What you do is you bring them into the room mm. and let them create something. Yeah. Like with the yeah. um, the latest Predator film. That was awesome. I've heard it's yeah, I've heard it's better. So yeah. Really, really good. Um, the most fucking racist thing in the entire film is the um the <laughs> the son of the evil colonel. Oh uh, yeah. They left him behind. And yeah. he's just this the white he is the yeah. whitest, most American person I've ever seen. And they've just put massively braided dreadlocks, which is the most racist. But the most racist thing is him jumping around because that's what James Cameron's idea of. A bit like Tarzan, I guess. 
yeah <laughs> it was pretty bad it was like the whole thing was baffling but I have so many things I could talk about right but you two need to do an episode, episode. yeah <laughs> just shaming <laughs> Avatar yeah. and me giving credit to Christopher Nolan so yeah wow um what questions did I have so we've gone through <laughs> chosen attributes uh We've got technically covered. Chosen attributes in terms of who happens to be chosen ones. Um, okay, here's okay. okay. <clears throat> Is there, or have you seen or think of alternative kinds of characters that are not the chosen one archetype? So I think in terms of like, um, uh, so instead of say like the dragonborn, he's got powers. Yeah. Um, whereas, say, fuck, I had one of my tongue. So in Callisto, Callisto Protocol, oh, for yeah. example, um, you're just a pilot who gets uh, caught up. You get a normal person who gets swept up in things. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's something we should see more? Or in some ways, it's quite. It's like one of those another another one of those sort of common storylines you see in a lot of films and games and tv whereas like it's just bad luck it's just someone who's got stuck in the middle of this thing and then has to fight their way out that's that's i think that's reasonably common but it is in that way you can be more diverse in who you choose to be the protagonist within that situation i think or it's not saying you can't be more diverse with like the chosen one archetype um but it's easier to put someone who is not necessarily the norm um, into that situation, I think. So in some ways, yes, I think. If we see more of that with more diverse protagonists, then that's that's definitely a good thing. Mm. What do you think, Jim? I had a thought... And then it went out of my head. <laughs> Ask the question again and see if it triggers it. <laughs> okay. Alternatives to the chosen one archetype, whether it's uh, it's just something that needs to be changed or normal people caught up in things. Yeah, I was trying to think of like... Um, any games i think you see that character that that sort of situation in um mmos quite a lot you just start off as that you are just an ordinary person and then you know after about three years (laughs) grinding you're a you know you are the hero um i think i think that happens in most of those it's just you, you normally come from quite um normal background and you just work your way up um i mean in some some it's not some you are the hero and and you know you 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 
but I mean, I think there is a thing to be said that, you know, I, well, I do play things like Stardew Valley and, mm. um, <laughs> um, uh, um, Rimworld and play things like that where you're kind of in Sims and all those games where you're you're living a real life, a real-ish life. Um, but I think for the vast majority of people, it is about escapism and it is about being the hero in the game. You want to be, you want to be special, you want to be different, you want to have some unique skills that sets you apart from everyone else. So I think, you know, it's it's a difficult one, isn't it? It's it's so I think that, yes, there is a stereotype, but much as I was saying um, in our previous episode about royalty, um, I feel that sometimes that's just because of the world that we that we know, uh, the world that we live in, that sets these boundaries as to what, we're, what we expect from our heroes in that, you know, we want, we want to be special and unique and that usually means having some amazing skill you know i mean if you think about like the matrix i I, when you talk about the chosen one i just keep thinking about neo you know and and that's a really interesting thing because you know he doesn't think he's anything special and then it turns out that he is you know but is he you know it's that's the whole thing it's like Mm. is he or isn't he and at the end of the day does it really matter you know is he just the person that they that they coalesce around just the person that inspires everyone else to so I suppose in a lot of ways he's kind of the anti-chosen one because it's yeah I don't think we ever find out really whether he was really the chosen one or whether he just kind of became the chosen one and I think in a lot of ways that's that's perhaps the the more a more healthy approach to the topic than you know yeah a right of birth you know, we all have, we all can be the chosen one. I mean, we can yeah. all be, you know, and and all that changes that is the circumstances within which we find ourselves. And some of those can be changed by us. Some of those can be changed by people with power. And some of those, you know, can't be changed. You know, they're just the hand that we're dealt. So I think it's an interesting way of exploring that. Hmm. Yeah, I think um, I really like what you brought up about bad luck, Alex. Yeah, I, I love I love the stories of people because they're normally just people just go. Oh, I just want to I just want to get on with my job. Just leave me alone. I get on with my job, and next thing you know, you've been shot in the head. Yeah, with, <laughs> with um, uh, so that's how um, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Ah, yeah. That's what happened. So you just, I just thought, oh, 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 fed up. And now, great. Now I've got Keanu Reeves in my head, (laughs) uh, which he was the saving grace of that game. Mm. He's the only reason it it didn't just disappear forever. And now Idris Elba's going to be in the next bit. That's really cool. Cool. Crash land in your, in your cargo ship because of terrorists. And it's, that uh, kind of thing, and the 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 element of luck, a, ter- a turn of fate that happens to catch you up in it, and you're set off on a journey because of that. I really like that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and but there's this the myth that people who have wealth and power the fantasy of nobility and hereditary privilege is that they should have that power because they're better because they're superior mm. um whereas so they, they just have they just have it as a matter of course because mm. they're nobles but it's i think it's quite rare it's it's harder to pick out people who they earn their power so for example um I can't think of an example at the top of my head. Because <laughs> you, you, you mostly, you power, you get stronger through games. But there are people who, mm. um, oh, for example, Jem, have you played Outlast? No. Oh, I've watched playthroughs of it. And it's, it's, it's brilliant. It's hysterical. It's um, uh, just, you're just a journalist and uh-huh. you sneak into an asylum and just everything goes to shit and it's insane. And you just find a way to deal with it in the way that I think the blandest, he's, he's faceless, this is how bland he is, Ethan in Bio, uh, Resident Evil Biohazard and um, Village. Mm. What I would have liked to have seen, because he sort of he stays the same throughout, I would have liked him to just lose his shit as he goes <laughs> for, further into the village, because that would have been, oh, come on then. Can't have fucking have a go. I've been I've been through enough. So I I really I really enjoy that kind of that kind of art type. Um, okay. Final question. Um, so the dynamics of the chosen one archetype. So with Neo, what journey do we go on? discovering the sort of like, oh, I think I'm just a normal person. It turns around the chosen one. And then their life changes after that. Do you think the dynamic that this chosen one archetype portrays in games, is it harmful in how gamers then view society? I was reflecting on this only the other day because I got... um, Horizon Forbidden West for Christmas because I hadn't yet played it. So I've been starting playing it and I've very much noticed something that is hard to ignore when you're playing as Aloy and that is that she has a very strong saviour complex now that she knows that she's the only one that can actually save the world. So in some ways it's justified. But a lot of the time she's literally, her dialogue will consist of, I need to fix the problem sorry, I'm too busy, I need to fix the big problem. There's a bigger problem that I need to deal with and I'm the only one that can fix it, it's just me. That very much, thinking about her as a woman, that's very much the kind of role that a lot of women in society take up as caregivers. And, you know, they are the ones to to um, to fix all the problems and to help provide and look after the the family unit um, mm. and if you think about the family unit as the entire world <laughs> um, in a lot of ways that is problematic when you think about it being portrayed by a female character is it just playing into that narrative where 
of the woman as caregiver as as someone with a massive savior complex that needs to that needs to fix everything make sure everything's right and it only has to be her Mm. um is that harmful probably a little bit but then that also happens with with a lot of male chosen ones as well that they get this massive savior complex after they realize they have this special power and naturally that's the path of the game is to do all these heroic things and save lots of people um but savior complexes and savior like wanting to be a savior is actually quite a harmful thing um in some ways there's what they there was like this um funny enough it was some training i had in work uh there's this negative triangle of thought where you've got the the victim the savior and then something else i can't remember in the third one the corners of the triangle and they all relate to each other this is not a very good example because i'm not explaining it very well then there's a positive side of the triangle which is what we should all try to do a little bit more oh i think the other one was enabler or something like that it all kind of feeds into each other but then there's more positive sides it's in my notebook somewhere i can check if you are desperate to know what the positive sides are um but yeah i think there are some harmful ideas that it might feed into there but i don't know if anyone else has any thoughts on that it's very codependent isn't it that mm. whole idea of yes. you know in order to be you know there needs to be somebody who can save you and there needs yes. to be somebody who is the the bad guy um i think actually i mean this isn't a game um but i think one of my favorite kind of things about the chosen one was what they did um with buffy the vampire slayer series which i was a massive fan of i know there's problematic stuff behind the scenes but um you know we didn't know that back then um and uh, i love the fact that you know buffy is the chosen one and there can be only one vampire slayer at any one time and and then she she dies <laughs> she does seems to do that quite a lot and and then we have faith who's a near, another vampire slayer because she because buffy had died briefly a new one has sort of been um been um born and um well not born but kind of like unveiled i guess they just sit in waiting and then they become um when they're needed and but what was really nice was that in the end you know she sort of opens uh, they they through all sorts of stuff they make everyone all these all these women and make them um vampire slayers so they are all able to look after the world and everyone can look after themselves and then there, there's a it there was a real it was a really nice way to kind of um push back against the chosen one trope you know that that again coming back to what i was saying about you know neo i think there's there is this idea that you know actually we can all be the chosen one and and it's it's just about perspective um but I think, you know, as far as sort of games are concerned, it's um it's quite it's it you know, the 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 normal chosen one is somebody who's very humble, they don't know what they're you know, they don't understand why everyone is putting so much pressure on them and they don't want to do this and then suddenly they come into their power and then like Alex says, they can get a little bit arrogant really, or they can feel a little bit like all the pressure is on them and I think that the point that Alex was making about 
you know, what impact that has on female characters is really good, actually, and, and what it says about women's role in society. And I think it would be really interesting to properly analyse how male chosen ones and female chosen ones react to being the chosen mm. one. Um, I think, you know, I feel like that's a, I'm sure somebody's done some research into that, but I feel like that's that's something to explore maybe in a, a future podcast of ours. I found the triangles, by the way, for those oh, of you interested. You can look up the drama triangle, which is the negative triangle. <laughs> it's hilarious. There's the persecutor position, the rescuer position, and the victim position. All at different corners of the triangle. I don't know if you can read my writing. And then on the bottom, on the other hand, you've got the empowerment triangle, which is the positive triangle. So you've got the creator um, in the position of, um, I think it would have been in the position of rescuer, or is it coach? No, coach is in position of rescuer, and then the challenger as well. So there's like the positive and negative sides but I'm sure there's lots of articles on the internet about those things if you wanted to look them up. But yeah, it just reminded me of that, really, that if you think about it in terms of having a rescuer, a victim and a persecutor, which is a lot, a narrative a lot of, in a lot of stories, um, having women as the rescuer, like what does that say about society mm. in general? Mm. But then if you think about it in a more positive way, or perhaps if we think about Molding a game in that empowerment triangle, having a creator, a coach, and a challenger, how much more of a positive story does it then become? Something to think about, perhaps. I don't know. There's yeah, the, yeah, the only thing I'd, I'd add to the, yeah, the, the savior narrative is just completely bang on. It's always the white savior. Mm. Yes, that that's a good been, point as well. Yeah. That's been endemic forever. And you're right. The problem with people like we we aspire to nobility, but what we really aspire to is I'd I'd like to have the the wealth and resources to give me agency to do the things that I want to do. Mm. And the bigger the difference between the, the the wealth gap in general is that once I think it's like it's ivory tower syndrome. Once in order to have an impact to save people you need to have the wealth and resources to get into the ivory mm. tower. And then once you're there, it's so easy to go, oh, it's really nice and comfortable up here. I'm safe up here. And if I don't rock the boat, then I can make more money and I'll sell out everyone else who put me here, Kiss Dharma. And <laughs> this is a problem with um, in America as well. There are only, you can count on one hand, the Democrats in the House who don't take corporate donations. So they are uncorrupted. But the establishment there has groomed them so that they don't fight them on anything. And in that, so the, the bigger the gap between the haves and the haves not, the easier it is to be seduced by it and then you can tell yourself that yes i am the savior i am important i know what i'm doing and so it comes about them and not about supporting people and i think that triangle is really interesting mm. because it's a bit like if like an architect was like putting a building together and so you know what disabled people uh, 
are really discriminated against and I'm going to build my building with them in mind to make it as accessible as possible. They're not talking to any disabled people. Mm. And then when a disabled person says, oh, this is a really good idea. Have you thought about this? And then that's when that twist happens where they either go, oh, yeah, sorry, I, I, I'm, I've been really just inside my own head. That's an idea I never would have thought of. I'll consult with lots of disabled people and do that. But what is so much easier and seductive is to go, no, nah, you don't, nah, don't, just leave it to me. I know what I'm doing. Leave it to me to save you. Um, and, uh, but I, I think uh, that, you know, power corrupts, doesn't it? And mm-hmm. absolute power corrupts, absolutely. And to be the chosen one, you have absolutes, what that means. You know, it is putting you in that position of having power over, you know, the whole of humanity's safety or whatever. And so it, it's, yeah, it probably should corrupt them a lot more than it, than it often does, to yeah. be fair. Um, it's either co- the corruption, there's the corruption side, which is the Keir Starmer side, and West fucking streeting on Oh, I hate him. Um, and then there's the neutralising side. So that's what's happened. So you go, I'm not corrupt. I don't take corporate money, but they've neutralised them so they don't fight. Mm. Um, so that's that's the nature of it. Um, another director I will throw under the bus is Denis Villeneuve and Dune, who he said, oh, it's not... Uh, someone asked him if it was a white saviour film. He said, no, no, it's actually it's actually about um, the mixing of cultures and how difficult it is for a white man to rule over sand people who we've just ripped off um, Middle Eastern culture again. <laughs> um, so and he's just, he's another one who's so far up his own arse, he's fucking, mm-hmm. he's back to normal again. Yeah. yeah. Fuck, you know. Um, <laughs> I think that I think I think I think that I think that'll do today. Yeah, I think we've covered a lot of bases yeah. there. Yeah. Okay, so uh, thank you everyone for watching or listening. Um, remember, we can uh, we'll be there every Thursday at seven pm. A new episode. Um, we've got our entire back catalogue to go over in the meantime. So until next time, bye bye. Bye bye. We hope you enjoyed that episode of Gaming the System. If you want to support us, you can donate to us through our PayPal by sending it to wearegamingthesystem at gmail.com if you want to send us a one-off donation. If you want to donate to us monthly, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash gamingthesystem. Until next time, bye-bye.